welcome to Firmly Planted Podcast, where we get to dive into the scriptures for our everyday lives. Please do not forget to subscribe and to share this episode with your family, with your friends, and anyone who you think would benefit from our discussion today. Now, without further ado, let's dive in to the scriptures together. Welcome back to Firmly Planted Podcast. I am super excited for this episode because I will be sharing the message that I shared to our students recently, and we are walking through this summer through the book of Psalms, uh, just a few selected passages, and uh, obviously we will not be able to get through the entire book of Psalms, barely through a few chapters if we're honest, Uh, but I have shared um, a message through Psalm 18 and just a portion of Psalm 18, truly. But I titled the message, Who is Our God? Because when we ask the question of who our God is, what is God like? How is God defined? What characterizes God? And specifically, the God of the Bible. Because so many religions have their own God. You have the Muslims who have Allah, the Jehovah's Witnesses who have their version of God, the the Mormons who have their version of God. You have the Hindus who have a multiplicity of gods, numerous and numerous and numerous amounts of gods. We can go on and on and on of all the different religions that have their own version of God. But what sets the God of Christianity apart? How can we describe who our God is? And as followers of Jesus, we have to go back and we have to ask ourselves this question of who is our God? Who is Yahweh? Because how we answer that question truly defines how we live our life. Do we live our life sold out for the God who is worthy to be lived for, who is worthy to be praised? Or do we live for ourselves because we do not have a very high view of God? And so there are many places, obviously, that we can look and we can dive into in Scripture about our God. But going through the book of Psalms, running into this passage here in Psalm chapter 18, Verse number 30 and 34 is really where we're going to take anchor for this, this message. Again, the title is, Who is Our God? So let's answer this question from these, these few short verses, and let's see what the psalmist has to tell us about who our God is. So Psalm 18, verse number 30, As for God, His way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. For who is our God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hinds feet and sets me upon high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. The enemies of Israel, as you look through the Old Testament, as you look through especially in the Torah 
and then uh, the different passages in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, you see the enemies of Israel always asking, essentially, this very same question of who is the God of Israel, who is this Yahweh that you proclaim? Can He really save you? Can He really deliver you from my hand? Can He really do what you are asking Him to do? And so the Israelites had to frequently live by faith. They had to make sure that they understood and remembered and lived in the power of God and who their God really was. What's amazing to notice all throughout the Old Testament, and of course throughout the, in the entire Bible, but specifically in the Old Testament, when God gave a command, when God gave marching orders, when God called Israel to do something, he reminded them of who he was. He reminded them of what he could do. Think back with me in, in God giving them the Ten Commandments. Specifically, in Exodus chapter 20, they have just been delivered out of Egypt. They are now wandering in the wilderness. They go to Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up onto the mountain. The big cloud thunderstorms are, are above them on the mountain, covering up what God is doing with Moses. And here God gives them the Ten Commandments. And this is what he says as this is happening. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 2. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of of bondage. Why does God remind them of who he is before giving the Ten Commandments? I believe it is because when we realize who God is, it leads to a life of obedience. When you realize how great, how powerful, how marvelous, how wonderful God is, it leads to confidence in your life. God is essentially saying here, this is why you can obey me. This is why I am worthy of your obedience. This is why I am worthy of your praise, because of who I am, because of what I have done, because of my character, because of my name. And just as the Israelites so frequently throughout the Old Testament, forgot who their God was, and that is often when they would fall into disobedience, would fall into impurities, would fall into the things that God was calling them out of, so do we. If we are not careful, we can live a life of disobedience because we forget who our God is. So we have to continually ask ourselves this question, who is our God? Because the enemy Please hear me, the enemy would love nothing more than for you to lose your confidence in God. When pain happens, when suffering, when hardships come, the enemy attacks very first this question in your life. Who is your God? See all the things that's happening to you right now. Can God really take care of you? See all of these painful situations that you're encountering. Does God really love you? See, everything that's happening in your life, you just get a short end of the stick. Is God even directing your life? Does God even care 
what's happening. And the list of questions can go on and on about us questioning who God is. See, we have to be firm and constant in reminding ourselves of who our God is. The reality of this passage is that there is none other like our God. Why do we worship the God of the Bible? Why do we worship this God of the universe? Because there is no one other like Yahweh. Because there is no authority and no power that is greater than the God of the Bible. He says in verse 30, as for God, his way is blameless. He's saying here that his way is perfect, that he is holy, that he is worthy. Then he goes on to say that the word of the Lord is tried. And that is talking about how how God has always proven himself true, that God fulfills his promises, and that he is a shield to all who take refuge in him. See, we have what we need for guidance and protection in our life when we remember who our God is. And I think back to a World War II story that I read recently, and it's about strategic planning within uh, the U.S. in World War II. Obviously, the army needed a plan to win the war, and so they needed a plan to know the right equipment and the right materials that they would need uh, to win the war. And so the president got this man together named Albert C. Wedemeyer, and he was tasked to put a plan together for the army. So he came up with a series of questions that was to help with winning the task. If they could answer these questions correctly, then they could win the war is what he believed. So here's the questions that he asked. What is the national objective of the United States? Question number two, what military strategy will be devised to accomplish the national objective? Question number three, what military forces must be raised in order to execute that military strategy? And then four, how will those military forces be constituted, equipped, and trained? And by answering these questions and answering them honestly and verifying how they can correctly equip and train their army, this became known as the World War II quote-unquote, victory plan. And here in Psalm 18, God lays for us his victory plan for us. We have what we need for victory if we remember who our God is. And when we answer the question, who is our God, it will bring victory to your life. And I just want to give you three answers to this question of who our God is. So, number one, who is our God? God is our source of strength. He says in verse 31, who is our God but the Lord? He is, who is a rock except our God? Then look at verse 32, the God who girds me with strength. This gird is another way you could say it is arms or equips me. So, 
God is the one who equips me with strength. David is showing the Israelites here how God has prepared him for battle and how God prepares us for battle. See, David's strength was not in his ability, was not in his intellect, was not in his authority on, as being king. But his strength was found in God's ability. And I don't know if you've been in situations in life where you have felt weak, where you have felt like you have no strength to carry on. And often life can hit us in the face and can make us feel as if we have no strength, as if we can't carry on unless something outside of us gives us a strength to do it. And a funny way to illustrate this is oftentimes uh, when I have these nightmares, uh, I dream of, of fighting or I dream of running from someone. And no matter how fast I run, I can't get away. No matter how hard I fight, no matter how hard I punch, no matter how 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 hard I try, I just am not strong enough and not good enough to win against that person that's, that is happening. And usually uh, it's, it's me thinking uh, or dreaming that I'm Spider-Man or some kind of hero, and yet I don't have the ability to win. And whether that causes psychological things in my mind, I don't know. But what I do know is that I wake up from those dreams and I'm like, wow, uh, that it, it was scary. It was, it was very frightening to feel like no matter what you do, you just can't win. And I am certain that most people live a life just like that, that no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, you feel like you just can't get ahead. You feel like you just can't win. And it seems like your efforts just leave you empty, just leave you drained, just leave you powerless. And we were never meant to do our life on our own. You were never meant to live your life in your own strength. Paul reminded us that it is through our weaknesses that we are made strong, that we can't live this life, that you and I cannot live this Christian life apart from having God's strength. And when the pressure comes, when the pain comes, when the hardships come and they make you feel weak, here's what I want to tell you. And this may, this may sound crazy. This may sound insane. You may be like, are you kidding me, Tyler, that you are, that you are saying what you're about to say? And I'm going to say, absolutely. When you feel weak, that is a good thing. And let me explain. See, because you are not meant to live your life in your own strength, there are often times where we have to be reminded of that, that we think we got it under control, that we think we are strong enough. And then the situations in life come, the hardships come, the pain comes, the illness comes, the emotional struggles come, whatever it may be. And it reminds us, wow, I can't do this on my own. I need God. 
And through our weaknesses, we are reminded of our desperate need for God's strength. And it is because of God's strength that we can live out the life he has called us to live. And we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to sin. We're going to have our failures. We're going to have our fallouts. We're going to have our sins that we struggle with. And that's why we can't trust in ourselves. That's why we can't trust in someone else. But we have to trust in God's strength to get us through. That's why we have to trust in God's strength to keep us away from those sins, to to forgive us of those sins. And as 1 John tells us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we are reminded through our weaknesses how faithful and true God is, that he never fails. It reminds me of Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength in my heart and my portion forever. You don't have to rely on yourself. You don't have to rely on someone else who is going to let you down. You can rely on God. You can rely on his strength to carry you through. But the second answer to our question is not just that God is the source of our strength, but God is the source of our certainty. God is our source of certainty. He said that he makes my feet like hinds feet or like deer's feet. And I did some looking up on what deer are like, and deer have a gracefulness about them when they run and when they jump. You never see, unless a deer is shot, which is a different story, but you never see a deer get tripped up as, as it's running through the woods. No matter what obstacle is in their way, no matter what things they have to jump through, they are swift. They are quick. They can leap. They can jump. They can move so fast. And that is why uh, when, when you are hunting, if you're a hunter, that you have to be very quiet and still because as soon as they hear anything bolting, they're gone. And the reason why they're able to do that is because scientists have, have discovered that deer have a much greater proportion of a type 2 muscle fiber than humans or really any other creature. And as a result of having this extra type 2 muscle fiber, uh, or more of it, excuse me, they are capable of these quick bursts of speed, and it helps with them being so agile to where they can run swiftly with quickness. And this is the kind of picture that David is painting here for us and saying that he makes my feet like deer's feet. See, when we surrender our ability to Christ, when we surrender our lives to Christ, we run like deer. The psalm is referencing that he is our protection and that he is the one who propels us through life's experiences and that it is not that we have to live in wondering if we are going to make it through, but that we can live in certainty. And we live in such an uncertain world. We live in a world that we don't know where to turn to, that you are hearing hundreds of voices every single day that is eager for your attention. And whether you are looking at 
social media, whether you, whether you are looking at uh, the, the, the news media, if you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or, or whatever media outlet that you have, you are being told what to believe, how to believe it, why to believe it. And this, these are the things you can turn to when you're uncertain. And we run to those things. We pursue after those things. And then we realize what we thought could give us certainty in life ends up failing us. And to put this and to paint the picture for you, think about all the products that are out there that say a lifetime guarantee. You can get Bibles, and on the leather it says this is a, a lifetime guarantee. You uh, get products that say it guarantees that it will do X for the amount of Y, or whatever it, it may be promising, it is having a guarantee that this product will fulfill what your need is. And I specifically think about deodorant. This is the perfect example and deodorant promises, you look at the labels on most of them, and they will promise some kind of odor protection for eight hours or six hours or 12 hours or some of them 24 hours. And I know just from being a student pastor, I know from just being a human being that those deodorants nine times out of 10 are not going to fulfill on their promises that it promises eight hours and you're lucky if you get four hours. It's promising 12 hours, you're lucky if you get five hours. And there's no way that these deodorants are going to last all day or even or even for 12 hours long, especially if you live in a very humid place like we live here in Florida. That deodorants promise, hey, you, if you buy my product, if you use my product, then you will have you will be odor free for x amount of time and i promise you that is not going to work and we run after things in our life that we believe this is going to fulfill me this is going to give me certainty in my life and then it doesn't whether it's in a person whether it is in a product whether it's running from our issues Maybe it's running to drugs. Maybe it's running to alcohol. Maybe it's running to some kind of relationship that you just believe that if you just get in this relationship, then you will be fulfilled. Or maybe it has something to do with you running to get your mind off of the issues in your life and you run to entertainment. You run to pornography. You run to books or magazines or what, whatever it is that you run to. And then you realize that the thing that you are running to is the very thing that is digging you deeper into a life of uncertainty. Because you go hoping for something and then it fails. And then the more you do that, the more you live in a world of chaos, of uncertainty in your life. And then no wonder we are living in a culture that is so uncertain, that is so confused, and that is so ever-changing and moving away from the principles found in Scripture. Because when we are not placing our faith in, in the rock, when we are not placing 
our trust and our certainty in the one who never fails, but putting it in things and people that will always fail us, then of course we're going to live in a world of chaos. But then he also continues to say that God sets me on high places. This is talking about God being a mountain or a fortress or something that is a place of protection or to take it even deeper, a sign of stability. And because we trust in God, we walk in line with him and he places us in a fortress of stability. This is not talking about giving us high honor. This is not talking about giving you a high name or fame. This is talking about putting you in a place of protection and certainty. Psalm 18 verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. See, when the enemy attacks you, you put your trust in the living God. When hardships come, when pain comes, you go to the one who is your source of stability, who is your source of certainty, and that so many things in life may fail you. Your God will never fail you. And then number three, God is our source of victory. God is our source of victory. He says in verse 33, excuse me, 34, he trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a a bow of bronze. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. This entire psalm, Psalm 18, is a psalm of battle. And so here he is bringing this idea back into play. And he's talking about how God brings victory over the weapons from the enemy. That he bends the bow. It is breaking the weapons that are formed against him. David is proclaiming that God makes him ready and makes him prepare to fight. And that God is the one who brings victory. You think about the story of David and Goliath, that David trusted in God to give him victory over Goliath. And I'm not saying that we need to read ourselves into that passage, but of course you can't help but think that David is pondering on this event that happened in his life where he is recalling the fact that only God could have given him victory through that situation. And as followers of Jesus, we are in a spiritual warfare. We are in a spiritual battle that we must trust in God to give us victory. In our culture, this this whole issue of identity is so on the forefront of everyone's mind. Who you identify as, what you identify as, is really the essential question that everyone's asking. And it's really going to trump the idea of feelings and, and how I am and desiring things to happen. It's going to be, how do you identify? What do you identify as? And as followers of Jesus, we have to find our identity in Christ. And through our identity in Christ, we are identified as victorious. We are victors in Jesus. 
because he is the one who proclaimed victory when he died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. When Jesus said to Telestai, it is finished, he was proclaiming victory over sin and over death. And the victory that is that was won at the resurrection is what the enemy wants us to forget and not live in light of and feel defeated instead of living victorious. And David knew that only victory and a sense of victory in life is only found in a life close to God. Victory only belongs to God. Going back to the story of David and Goliath, when he was going before the Philistine, here's what he says, just as remembrance and reminding us of who our God is. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 46 and 47, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God of Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. When you hear these words in your head, you cannot win this battle. You cannot live victoriously. You cannot live the joyful Christian life. I want to tell you that you absolutely can because God has already given you everything you need for victory. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, it was proving and showing that there is nothing that is going to take us away from God's victorious power when we trust in him. So please, please never forget how victorious your God is. Go back and remind yourself of all the things that God has done, of who he is. Remind yourself of his holiness, of his blamelessness, of his purity. And remember that God never fails, that he is the faithful God, that he is the all-powerful, all-creator of the universe and that nothing is unstoppable and nothing can take you away from God's love, from God's mercy and God's grace. And remember that justice is the Lord's. Judgment belongs to God and that everything we need comes straight from him. And so that you don't have to worry about what does tomorrow hold. You don't have to worry about how is this issue in my life going to play out. All you have to focus on is that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and you have to remind yourself of who God is. I read a story this week of an American painter, John Sargent, and he once painted this beautiful panel of roses. And when he presented it before the critics, it was highly appraised. And it was just a small picture. It didn't really have 
a, a, a grand scale size, but the details were magnificent. And it was almost viewed by those who saw it as a perfect painting. There were no issues, no blemishes, no cover-ups. It was the perfect painting, and everybody wanted it. And although people were offering crazy amounts of money to purchase this, John kept it for himself. He refused to sell it. He considered it his finest and best work. And obviously, for really good reasons, he was quite proud of it. The reason why he kept this painting, and whenever he was discouraged or doubtful of his abilities as an artist, he would look at this painting and remind himself, wow, I painted that. And when he would remind himself that he painted that picture that is in so many people's eyes viewed as the perfect painting, and in his mind, viewed as the perfect painting. He regained his confidence, and in many cases, he regained his ability to paint once more. When you and I go through the issues of life, when you and I feel like we can't carry on, can't get through what's happening, we have to remind ourselves of who our God is. The hardships of life can easily put blinders over our eyes and forget that God is at work, forget the things that God has done. But just like this painter who needed to be reminded by his paintings of who he was, we have to be reminded of God's marvelous work, of God's wonderful love, of God's all power, all magnificence, and remind ourselves of who he is and what he can do, and that there's nothing too great, nothing too far-fetched for our God. Because God is your source of strength, he is your source of certainty, and he is your source of victory. And Yahweh will never fail. Thank you for listening to Firmly Planted Podcast where we dive into the scriptures together. And if you have not yet, please subscribe. Please share with your friends and family who may benefit from this. And we would love to get this in as many hands as possible, not because of me, but because of glorifying God and desiring for others to know God more. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Firmly Planted Podcast.